It's September 11th, 2017, and this is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm your host, Pius Wong, and we are continuing a series to try to get to know the educations of engineers from other countries outside the USA. This episode, I speak to Hernando Garrido, an engineer working in the USA but who grew up in Mexico. How does engineering education in our nearest neighbor to the south compare to this side of the border? Listen up, next. So my name is uh, Hernando Garrido. I'm a mechatronics engineer with a master's degree in manufacturing engineering. Since I graduated, I started working for Fresenius Medical Care. Um, I started in Reynosa as a automation engineer. And after a year, I moved out to uh, Concord, California, where we designed peritoneal dialysis machine for, for people that uh, have uh, chronic kidney failures. I'm mostly in charge of uh, transferring design for manufacturability. Mm. So uh, what I basically do is look at the sometimes prototypes, designs, or new technologies that are existing and try to implement into manufacturing for new devices or improved devices. So you do a lot of the work after the design, a lot of the design has been made? Uh, Mostly when we looked at the design, sometimes it's a concept an engineering concept. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, sometimes we, we have prototypes. Uh, for example, the machine that I'm working right now, it's a prototype, and uh, but we had to make a lot of changes to be able to to bring it into production for sale. But it's... Uh, yeah. It's what we what we call design for manufacturability. Uh, so we have to do this analysis, and sometimes we have to change the design to be able to mm-hmm. manufacture it. Hmm. And you mentioned that you started out in Reynosa. Some people listening, they might know that that's in Mexico. You actually are, are from Mexico, right? Yes, I was born in Coahuila. It's uh, about six hours from Reynosa. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit uh, down south from the border. I see. And uh, when I moved to Texas to, to do my uh, master's degree, I was doing it. So I was studying at night and working in the mornings in Reynosa. So I had to commute oh, wow. every day. Crossing the border yeah. every day. Yeah, every day Wow. for yeah. one year. Can you talk more about the educational path that you needed to take to get to where you are? Sure. So like I mentioned, I, I um, well, I uh, first, when I was in high school, I was... Uh, very excited when my my high school was one of the first in our city to get internet. So internet was not so popular. Well, actually, in Mexico, was just starting to to uh, become available for everyone. But our school was one of the first ones, and I got really excited. I started, you know, attending uh, classes for uh, just. Uh, learning how to use a computer and uh, browsing to the internet. And then, yeah, that's how I, I guess, liked uh, engineering. But then I decided that I 
when when I decided to join engineering uh, was uh, back in I think 2000, and I really liked this new. I saw a poster that they were promoting a new career, and it was mechatronics, hmm. and so I got really interested in it. And I've always liked, you know, improving processes or doing things better. And so I got really interested in it. And, yeah, that's how I got started in uh, mechatronics. And then I fin- after I finished, I uh, worked a little bit in my hometown. As a, I worked with, a, with an, an uncle that yeah. had a construction company. And yeah, um, yeah. I did a some steel structures and learn a little bit of CAD. Like computer-aided so design? CAD is, uh, yes, CAD drawings and detailing uh, structures. And and then I decided that I, you know, wanted to go and study at uh, in Texas. So I moved to Texas and started my master's degree there. And in my first semester, I met the director of engineering for for this company, for Fresenius, and he offered me a job, and he offered me to to pay for my studies. Oh wow! Yeah, that worked out pretty well. So the company actually sponsored my my master degree, and it was very nice. <laughs> yeah, I know that's that's really nice. I don't know how common it is for um, how how common it is to get a job right in school. Yeah, well. I mean, I started doing a project with him, and I guess he liked my work or something. So he invited me over, and then he saw that I could handle projects on my own, and I, more or less, with other engineers, uh, that he he was like always on top of them, and with me, it was more like I could, you know, just take care of my of myself, and I gave him the results he wanted, and I guess. That's what he liked about me, and he the company was really good with me because they sponsored the they sponsored my um, my full master's degree, and and then they offered me to a job in California. So it was perfect. Yeah. So what brought you, or what attracted you to Texas in the first place? Well, when I was in uh, when I was doing my uh, my degree in Mexico, I took a year in uh, Texas, in the Edinburgh, Texas, and, and I liked that university. I liked the I liked the fact that the university offered students access to, you know, new equipment. The labs were fully equipped, and you pretty much have access to whatever you need to mm. to develop your skills. And what I liked about the the campus was that they were really involved with uh, several companies on projects. So the contact with uh, different companies really helped uh, understand what were the challenges and what uh, how would I fit in working with those companies. So I had actually worked with uh, Corning yeah. on a project. Uh, they're in Reynosa, but you know. They they came to the university and uh, sponsored projects. So that that's what I liked about the uh, the I guess the U.S. college systems that they you have access pretty much to to all, a lot of technologies and and 
companies and projects. And in Mexico, it was a little different. In Mexico, their uh, classes are more challenging. You oh really? Okay. You have to really yeah. You have to really study and know all the theory. And then when you get to the exam, what you learn in class, it's it's not what you see on the exam. So you have to really <laughs> use your mind, and wow. you have to be crea creative because. You also don't have access to a lot of uh, new technologies, so you have to be creative in creating your own projects. And uh, I guess that's good and bad, but it's good for an engineer. So you have to use your creativity and with less yeah. money and with your more or less your own resources, you have to perform. And in the U.S., more or less everything is the exam was more or less what you saw in class and the uh, problems that you see are more practical and mm -hmm. real. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Did you know about what engineering education would be like in the U.S. before you came over? Well, yeah, yes, because of those two semesters that I, I, the, that I went, that I came to the U.S. Okay. Um, so I got a feel of how the classes were. Actually, improve a lot my um, my GPA because in Mexico, like I said, the classes were uh, very challenging, and in the U.S., I got lots of A's and maybe a couple of B's in some classes. But uh, yeah, I was speaking with other engineering students who come to the U.S. Specifically, we did a podcast before about Indian students coming to the U.S. and then Chinese students coming to the U.S. And they, they say similar things that you say, that the classes in the U.S. aren't as difficult in, in some sense, but they're more practical. Mm -hmm. I, I had no idea. And so you actually experienced education like right on the border. You were very close to the U.S. the whole time when you were a kid, right? Yeah. Um, I'm curious what... Like in the U.S., they say that kids oftentimes are not interested in engineering or computer science or those fields. I'm wondering what perception Mexican kids have of those fields when they grow up. Uh, yeah. So when I was in school, I believe that when you're a kid, you don't, you're not that interested if you don't, if you don't get to you don't get a feel for it or if you don't see some demos or yeah you know some uh maybe some exhibition classes yeah and so a lot of the kids that are in school really don't get excited about it they more or less when they have to join a, a career they're like forced to because otherwise they won't get any good pay or money mm -hmm. so it's not because they liked it. That's my personal opinion. When I, and it's funny that you mentioned it because I had more experience on the U.S. side. Because when I started working, uh, when I when I joined uh, uh, for my masters, one of my uh, professors asked me to help with some uh, high school kids mm. on a robotics team. They were participating in robotics. Uh, mm -hmm. Robotics. Uh, is it like the, or the first or best competition, something like that? Yeah, the first, yeah, yeah. 
first uh, robotics competition, yeah. And I had to go to several high schools and help their the kids because they were going to that competition and none of the robots uh, were actually working. And only a few kids in a couple of co- uh, high schools were like really interested in trying to, uh, you know, perform. The other ones were more like uh, just because they had to. Oh, wow. And, uh, what what I like about the U.S. is that it's pr- promoting, you know, since high school for kids to, to try to join engineering by, pre- by presenting some uh, uh, exhibition classes or demos or mm-hmm. or by having these programs like the like participating in the first. Uh, when I was in high school in Mexico, none of this exists, but through Internet and, you know, I've been following up, and I guess some some high schools have been uh, participating now in this kind of uh, programs. But that really helps when you're a kid. If you get to the field for it, some some kids really like it. Yeah, some kind of exposure. Yeah. And do you think that there are other differences between Mexico and the U.S. then? It sounds like American kids might have more access to engineering. But is that the biggest difference? Yeah, the access to to engineering and resources definitely helps. The uh, maybe parents at at home could also help if they encourage to if they encourage their kids to to at least attend some of these uh, classes or seminars. I know that, uh, for example, UTPA had a every summer. Uh, UTPA is the University of Texas, uh, Pan American. Now it's UTRGV, but right, right. But every su- yeah. every summer they had a uh, summer camp for high school, and and this summer camps they had. I mean, you, you, they brought the kids and they had to build a bridge with uh, popsicle sticks or and see which team uh, was able to handle more weight, and they gave them prizes. So they motivate the kids during their summer to, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get a feel for engineering and, you know, they make it fun for them. So that's one of the things that I would say is lacking in Mexico and uh, Mexico in summer kids are just not doing anything like, like this. they're probably maybe playing some sports or hanging out with friends mm-hmm. or, Instead of uh, having access to this, and 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 this this was very cheap for for students to join the summer camps. And okay, it's not just for rich kids or something. Yeah, I was I was a teacher there. I was a volunteer, and I was helping them. I was in charge of a group, and I can see that the uh, that some of the kids liked it. I mean, there's obviously some kids that were not even interested, because they're kind of in the age where they're a little rebellious. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, some of them really got interested, and I I think it made a change on them, and probably they would become engineers just like like I did. That's great. And do you think that there are any aspects of the education system in Mexico that are really good that maybe Americans should look at that Americans should try to do? Yeah, I I, I like the fact. 
I like the fact that uh, since you have limited resources and if you want to really succeed, you have to be really creative on what you mm. do. Mm -hmm. And challenging the students in that way makes them things out, think out of the box. One of the things that I learned and I really appreciate about my uh, college in Mexico was that anything that uh, I was asked to do, even if I didn't know the answer, I knew how to get the answer and how to how to deal with it. Hmm. And I see uh, I see here even at work for some people that are, were born and educated here that if they don't they don't don't they don't know something they would stop and they would maybe ask someone to deal with it or but they won't resolve things so. One of the things that I really appreciate is that you you don't say no I don't know but you say yes I uh, let me see what I can do and I will get it done so that kind of thinking that really opens your mind and and really makes you a person that will always try to get the answer and and understand and be able to learn by yourself yeah that's something that I really appreciate from uh, Mexico. How do you teach something like that? Do you, um, if if Americans or American teachers want to teach their kids to be resourceful and and not give up like that, I'm just curious if if you have any ideas of what they could do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and by the way, I also work with a lot of uh, people from India oh, okay. and China, and mm -hmm. I. And I see in India, especially in India, I see a lot of uh, uh, resemblance on this. I see that they are more or less the same. They are very creative on getting things done and finding the answers by themselves. So sometimes what I, what I would recommend for teachers or for uh, if they want to implement something like this is to challenge their students by asking, by, uh, Maybe asking them to to do something that they that they know that they can that they can do it that uh, uh, they don't have the resources to do it or that they would right. have to you know find it by themselves. So don't give them all the the tools and the resources and see what they can come up with. Hmm. And that way, that way they will also. Uh, challenge themselves and uh, I guess it will come up naturally well Hernando mm -hmm. that's really good advice I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to speak and I'm sure all of the teachers or other engineers listening appreciate it as well and um, yeah do you have any final <laughs> words of advice for any educators listening yeah well if it's for Teachers that are dealing with high school kids, I would recommend them to to be creative in the way they present engineering and uh, make it fun for the students. So make make them uh, make them also think, excite them about the challenges that uh, engineering has, and I think that will motivate few uh, several students, and they would. Uh, they would become engineers eventually. <laughs> Thanks to Hernando Garrido for speaking. 
For notes, links, and transcripts related to this episode, please visit the show website, k12engineering.net. And if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, please leave me a rating or review to help others find the show. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and all your other social media platforms of choice. Finally, you can financially support this show if you like it by donating on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Labs. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash P-I-O-S-L-A-B-S. Thank you so much to all my current donors on Patreon. You make this show possible. Our closing music that you're listening to right now is called Wishing by Soiree, and you can find more of Soiree's music on SoundCloud. Check out this episode's show notes for links. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs. Music